and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Sarah Morrissey, I am so excited to have you on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to an interview. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. And I want to hear everything about what you're doing because I love the sound of it. So let's start off with, why don't you tell everybody what it is that you do and um, a little bit about what your business is right now? Yeah, so well, right now, as with many people, I'm working from home (laughs) during COVID. Uh, I run a radio station for children. So it's called Little Rockers Radio. It's 24-7 music, nursery rhymes, story time, uh, yoga, meditation, and then lullabies right through the night. So it's for for kids. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, for kids from about birth up until about the age of five or six. You know when they get into primary school and they outgrow the Wiggles and Sam Moran and they're too cool for that sort of thing. Which kind of devastated me at the time time because I became a huge Wiggles fan Massive. and I was like all of a sudden Hot Potato and all those songs left the house. Yeah, never to be seen again until grandkids come along. We started that um, about seven or eight years ago when my daughter started prep uh, and we've been running ever since. So it's online radio. We're partnered with Australian Radio Network. So we're on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. We have our own apps and all the different ways that you can listen to That's in- amazing. Radio. You, you just like, you kind of like created what is now a podcast, but like years before anyone even knew what they were. So let's start with... Why did you set it up? Why? <laughs> uh, well, I, I had two reasons, really. The, the first one was we'd had um, a family tragedy. My nephew had passed away from SIDS when he was 16 months old. Uh, and 16 I, months? 16 oh. months, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, oh, he, he, he was walking and talking and rolling oh. and doing all the things that you don't really think you would hear that they would pass away from SIDS, but it can happen up until the age of three. Um, oh. So I wanted to... After that happened, I did a few fundraising things at home, you know, had the family over, baked the packet mix cupcakes and charged people $5 at the door to come in and eat my packet mix um, to raise money. And I knew that I always wanted to have something that would be, that I could build that would be really big, that would make a difference. But I didn't know what what that would be. Oh, you're so my kind of woman. I love it. Anybody who wants to make a difference and And you're doing it in such a good place. Yeah. Well, and then one day we were driving along in the car. My daughter, uh, I think she was maybe one at the time. She was a nutcase. So I had a one and three year old. They loved music. I was in the car. They were driving me nuts and I tried to find music for the kids and couldn't find anything. So that kind of just spurred a bit of an idea. And then I went home and literally typed into Google, how do you start a radio station? Um, I was going to say, did you have any background in radio? No. So marketing in health and fitness. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And, and it just kind of started from there. I spent about a year or so doing research um, and taking people out for coffees and asking what, you know, the word streaming meant and, and you know, how I get from <laughs> one thing to the other. And I kind of just pieced it together. I still, you know what, I still don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I just figure it oh, out. Oh, I think you're, I think you're being very modest and certainly compared to what anyone else knows, I'm sure, you know, he's more. <laughs> it's, you know, those things that you become expert at something and, and because you haven't gone and done a course in it, you don't feel like it's real expertise, but I'm sure, you know, more than all the rest of us. But was, so was there um, a particular light bulb moment that you went from 
not being able to find something in the car with your daughter to I'm going to set up the radio station. Was there something specific that happened? Yeah. Or was that just all? Oh, yes, go. Yeah, there was. So I was... um, I'd been thinking about it for for a good, I don't know, six or 12 months and I was seeing a friend, catching up for a friend, having a coffee. He'd started his own business and I, I went into his office and he was there and I was just like, wow, I can't believe you're doing this. And he, and he was just doing really well and I went home and I was like, damn it, I'm going to do this. So that was really the moment that went, okay, I'm going to put this into place now and I'm, I'm going to actually oh, figure so it out. Is he still in business as well? He Your friend? Is. Yeah, yeah, completely different business to me, but yes, he is. He's yep. killing it. Oh, yeah. good. It's always good to hear because a lot of businesses do fall over and yours obviously hasn't either. All right, so now I want to hear the whole story. We've got that bit out the way. Tell me, like I bet when you were a little girl at high, at school or at high school, you didn't say when I grow up I want to own a radio station, although you might have, I don't know. But can you take me back to then and how your career unfolded to now? Yeah, well, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a dancer. So, you know, I'd be <laughs> so on... So sort of almost, kind of, kind, you've got the music. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I'd be on the front lawn doing dances, you know, for all the cars driving past. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> my beautiful jazz ballet dances. Um, and then it, through high school, when I think my stepdad said to me, you know, you, you, dancing's not really a career. Think of something else you might like to do. And I like to think I'm kind of creative. So I, I sort of went down the marketing advertising path and I went right finished school and and did a diploma in marketing and then traveled for a couple of years overseas and um, eventually did my master's in well, where marketing. Did you, hang on I always love the travel stories where did you go to? I moved to the UK so I, I was there for two years I moved in with my stepsister at the time and then worked at a gym saved money ate packets of potatoes because you know you spend oh, all your money on I partying got, <laughs> i know i spent five years in london and honestly between the mayonnaise and the sausages and the fry up breakfast i was i was so fat in fact almost as fat as i am now on the back of covid but we won't go into that <laughs> well I, I worked in a the gym there so i kind of had you know lots of potatoes and fit. wine during the night time and then the gym during the day but uh, and then i would just do day trips from there so i was 19 when i moved there 21 when i came back Back. And um, I just did day trips to Italy and, you know, um, oh, I can't All even those remember. great things yeah. you can do when you're in England. <laughs> mm, exactly. Okay, so what happened when you came back? When I came back. And why did you come? Well, why did you come back first? My visa was up. I think I only had a two-year oh, okay. visa. Yeah, I had a boyfriend there. I fell in love, you know, wanted to go back but never did. Um, right. And then uh, when I came back, I, I moved back in with my parents, which was devastating at the time. And, it is. And <laughs> uh, did telemarketing. So right. I hated it, but now that I look back on it, I think it actually really helped me in not being so nervous and picking up the phone and talking to people and following up people and all of that sort of I'm thing. I'm 100 percent with you. I did it. I did it as my uni job, and I just and you know now I don't have any problem cold calling anyone really. Yeah, not. Um, it does get you past that. It does, doesn't it? I mean, I'm still not. I, I wouldn't say I'm fabulous at it, but I would have been terrible had I never um, done telemarketing. So, yeah. so I did that. No, it's great life skills. Okay. okay, and so, so, so telemarketing while, you're, while you're living at your parents. This is sounding almost, almost like, my life. like my life for a while. So what, <laughs> so what happened? How did you get out? And what, and what, what, what was the next career, career move? move? So I got out because it, it was for an um, electricity company at the time and there was a mess up with their bills. And so all of the customers that were calling were just 
horrible. It ended up, um, uh, and I had a bit of a mini, I wouldn't say it was a breakdown, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't cope. I remember my mum taking me to the doctors and he was like, no, you know, she needs to leave. You need to get her out of there. So I left and, and, and then I started applying for marketing jobs because I had done my okay. diploma before I moved overseas. Um, and I managed to get a job at Moose Toys, which is quite an innovative kids oh, company. I Moose Toys. I did some PR for the, I did the launch of a couple of their, um, board, their board, games. board games. Right. Wow, that's it was a very innovative, innovative company. Yeah, so that was, oh, that's going back, I don't even know how many years now, maybe 15 or 20 years. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mine might be about the same, so let's not dwell on when. <laughs> but they were really what innovative. Were you, doing? Were you in a marketing role there? I started on reception um, and I. I spoke to the director or the owner at the time and and he understood that I had a bit of a um, interest in marketing and I'd done my diploma. So he sort of um, let me write media releases and bits and pieces whilst I was on reception. And then I just slowly started to implement more ideas and, and ended up as the marketing coordinator and then the marketing manager um, wow. over the years. You were the marketing yeah. manager? Mm, going back years ago now. I know it's a much yeah, no, bigger company a- now, but um, yeah. Still amazing, still amazing. And I just remember going in and everything was jelly bean flavoured, not a jelly bean kind of like their reception had jelly beans and toys and fabulous stuff everywhere. Okay, so what So what happened after Moose Toys and why did you leave? Was that babies? I left. I was there for about five years and then I did my Masters of Marketing while I was there. So I was studying in the evening and implementing whilst I was there and learning a lot. And then I just decided to move on into something new. I think I was there for about five or six years. I went to outdoor media for a very short period of time, trying to sell an, oh, yeah. a new billboard in the city. And then I moved into the um, International Diabetes Institute, into their health and physical activity department, because I had a bit of an interest in wow. health and physical activity as well. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing people's careers. I mean, already you've just twiddled and turned so many times. So what did you do from, so you, sorry, you went from outdoor to, where was the next place? The, the Diabetes Institute. And that was working with older adults in the physical activity department and diabetes type 2 prevention was it great? Did you, it? did you love it? I did actually. I really enjoyed it. They were fabulous to um, to work with, and then I had kids, so then everything changed after that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how, how did it all change? Day, so you stayed. So, so literally, literally this is finished finish the job, the job had, had the babies, had two, had two babies, babies very quickly, obviously, and then just, and then just got, got had your whole head in baby land and went, "Why isn't there a radio station?" Yeah, pretty much. I didn't want to go back to. Uh, full full time work, um, right? And and in the time that I'd had my first um, child, my son, they had moved further away, so they weren't so local anymore. They'd moved closer to the city, and I just didn't really want to go back to that. So I took up a job as a marketing manager in a local registered training organisation in the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, that was very part time, and I was actually there for probably eight or nine years. Really, by the time I had both my children, um, yep. And whilst I was working there, that's when I started Little Rockers. So I was sort of, you know, working four days a week, having looking after the two kids, obviously, and building Little Rockers in the evenings. 
it's, it's, it's one of those times now they're a bit old. Well, mine are a bit older anyway, and I look back and you think, how in hell did you do it? You know, when you think of what you were juggling, and now if someone said, by the way, I'm going to bring the kids home, and you're going to have to do this and that, you go, no way. But you do get through it. So talk to me then about Little Rockers, how it started and how it's evolved. I mean, I love hearing about businesses maturing, and yours is obviously pretty mature now. So how did you start off? Did you do it with a shoestring? Did you get investment? What did you do? Uh, it was on a shoestring. We, I actually pulled a little bit off the mortgage and I, I probably spent more on um, the creativity and the drawing of characters and the design than I would now if I was starting something. Right. But I thought at the time, because there was really no other children's radio stations, I thought, right, I need to have a point of difference. So I need characters that are DJs and it needs to look good and do all the right things because competitors will come and they did. Um, yeah. So I spent a fair bit on getting that together and then I launched uh, with a partnership with Red Nose. So I actually, I, I had the idea, I'd had everything sort of drawn up and ready to go. And then I went and saw Red Nose, who I had a relationship with anyway, because my nephew had obviously passed away. Yeah. Um, so I launched with them and I, I think they probably gave a bit of instant credibility because they're such a, you know, big, big charity. Um, they would do a little bit of promotion for me through their social media about a children's radio station and, Oh, wonderful. And and with my marketing background, I think, you know, I sent the media releases out to all the local papers and did all of that sort of thing. So we, we in the first couple of years, we had some really good publicity, um, TV, most national newspapers. Um, some well, good it was so different. And I think, and I when, think you're when you're carving, carving a new niche, niche pretty which pretty much it was, um, you know, that you know, it's, that kind, it's of kind of not surprising that the media would have been all over you. But how did it go from there? Because I mean, I know with Handle Your Own PR with my business, there was nobody doing it when I started 10 years ago or 12 years ago and now there are so, in fact, somebody just sent me an article. They've written and there's listed about six different DIY PR things. So how did it evolve for you? How did you sort of hang on to it as all these other competitors came in and how did that affect you? Well, I cried every time I heard about a new competitor. Did you? Did you? I didn't. I took it the other way and I was like, whoa, I'm obviously on to a good thing if other people want to copy me. Yeah, and I think now I, I think that way, but at the time I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose a house, I'm going to lose everything, I don't know how right. I'm going to cope with this sort of, you know, stress. And But I, then I started to realise who we were and what our strengths were and, and you know, I mean, children's music is children's music and we all play children's yep. music, but we are very much a social enterprise. So we very much sit within that charity, fundraising, social impact okay. space. So tell me, how does that, well, how? What, how does it all work? I didn't know that. So, it, well, it stemmed from the partnership with Red Nose initially. Uh, and then yep. a couple of years in, we, I had the But ha hang on, sorry, how, how are you raising money for them though? So we, I had. How does that work? We run fundraising campaigns. So every year we run the Little Rockers Red Nose disco and that is ah. a, uh, a special broadcast that goes into early learning centres nationally. So we get early learning centres to register. The kids come oh, in wonderful. on Red Nose Day. They wear red. They dance to, you know, the Wiggles and a whole bunch of different kids' music and they bring in gold coin donations. So Right. right. Oh, that's clever. Mm, so it started with that and so far 
We've been running that for six years and we've raised just over 200000 for Red Nose from that oh campaign. Oh, my God, Sarah. Sarah. Mm. That's, that's massive. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Oh, no, that's <laughs> amazing. I need to pat myself on the back more. I, I had I had the initial idea that I would raise 100000 a year and I would raise a million over 10 years and obviously, you know, things take longer. Well, not yet, but you have, you're, not, you're not at 10 years Not yet. yet. <laughs> four, four or five more years to go. So we'll, maybe exactly. we'll get there. Who knows what will happen in that time. But 200,000 is huge. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, we've raised lots of awareness um, in that time as well through early learning centres who need a lot of training on safe sleep, etc. cetera. Uh, and then yeah. from, from the success of that campaign, we kind of just moved into working with more charity partners. So we now work with the Alana and Madeline Foundation and we run buddy yoga through early learning centres nationally and we, w- we work with the Nappy Collective and we run our lullaby segment and some podcasts that help to generate awareness um, for the Nappy Collective. So pretty much everything we do is now based around the power of community. So when parents press play, when they sign up for a fundraising campaign, the bigger our audience, the bigger the impact we can make. Yeah, right. right. And and so can I ask you, you know, and I won't hold you to the number, but roughly how many, what your sort of listening figures are now? now? Yeah. So, Or is that too hard to guess? Uh, Well, it can be a little bit all over the shop, but we average around 80,000 listener sessions a month. Um, Oh, wow. And we've, you know, since the launch, parents and carers have pressed play well over 2 million times. Really, I haven't looked for a while, but it would be well over two million times oh, wow. now. Oh my God, Sarah, can you actually right now, right now in front of me? You need to pat yourself on the back, and you, and you need to get a media release out telling everyone what you're doing because that's amazing. amazing. Yes, and, and we've got a massive change that's coming. So we've just signed Ooh. with a huge national um, charity, and we're completely changing the face of what we do for the better. So there'll be news on that coming very soon. I'm very, very, very excited. When are you expecting that to launch? Uh, in the next probably eight weeks. Oh, my God, my that, God might that might be, be timed really, really well. It takes about eight weeks for these to come out. Okay, okay. well, we'll, we'll, we can coordinate ourselves. ourselves. So, oh, my God, I love hearing about new initiatives. So, um, so, okay, so you've done it. Okay, so tell me along the way, because this is a show about female founders and women making a difference, and you definitely, definitely are making a difference. Can you talk to me about any women who might have helped you along the way? And it doesn't matter if you can't think of anyone, but it is a women's podcast, so I always like to ask if there are any women that, you know, have helped you that you could tell us about. I think uh, my time at Moose, I was working um, with the director or co-owner at the time, Jackie Tobias, and she was a really creative um, woman who kind of took me under her wing a little bit and I learnt a lot from her. I can't really put my finger on what it is, but whenever I think of – you know, going down a new track or doing something creative or, or just sort of thinking outside the box a little bit, I, she always sort of springs to mind. Uh, oh, that's lovely. lovely. And I, I don't think I've ever told her that, actually. I should tell her. But I did learn uh, a lot just from her. Just tell her to listen to this podcast. She'll, 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 her heart, a little heart, heart will burst, burst with, pride. with pride. I will. I'll send it to her. Uh, and the rest are probably more at arm's length. You know, I do a lot of reading, okay. so... Um, and listening to podcasts and all that sort of thing. So they're more women so that are at arm's length, yeah. Mm. Okay, okay, fantastic. fantastic. So, so now along, along the journey, the journey of, of Little Rockers Radio, Radio I'm, I'm sure you've had, had some big wins and some, and some you know, you know maybe some, some challenges along the way, way shall we say. Um, and, um, and I, 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 I used to say to people, people um, you know, you know 
tell me, tell about, me your about your successes and failures and what you've learned from them. But actually, I don't think you learn a lot from successes other than how to party and celebrate. So have you had any sort of semi-disasters that have hit you that you thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then you've had to pivot or make changes and you look back now and go, wow, if that hadn't happened, you know, I wouldn't have this or whatever. Can you tell me a bit about any of those that might have happened? Well, I think the main one is the competition coming, really. And like I say, I had a big cry at the time so who was the first one, one? who was the first one that came out i don't even i don't, even, I don't know your space very well, very well. isn't funny. it funny that you, that you see competitors and i'm like i think i think heard of you and is there one called kinder or kindling or something yeah, so that was the first that was the first one that came along a couple of years after um i launched oh, okay yeah and that's the one that i cried at which sounds ridiculous but right. um it's was definitely pivotal for me because I really took a step back and went, okay, so what is this? What am I doing? What am I trying to achieve? How am I different to them? Um, and it took me a couple of years to learn to stop looking over my shoulder, you know, to see what they were doing and worry about what was happening and really kind of sit comfortably in my space. Well, what did happen? What did happen that firstly freaked you out and what has happened in the long term having competitors? Uh I don't know what freaked me out. I just didn't know that there was room in the market for both of us, which sounds so stupid, but it just no. But it's so common. It's so it's that's I guess one of the reasons I wanted you to say that because so many people do I think go oh my god competition and rather than thinking there's actually stacks of business out there and for me when I think about competition I go they're just growing this niche. So in the early days, no one would have known that there was kids radio. Whereas another one comes along, people go. Is it, oh, maybe there's a kids' radio station out there, station out there and they'll go through the dial and find more. And then the more that comes, the more it kind of grows that sector. Yes, and, you know, it's exactly that. So when I first started, no one Googled kids' radio. I think when I was doing my research, <laughs> there might have been 10 searches a month. Now there's right. over 1,000. Right. And, and, you know, they've helped with that because the more, that's, yeah. the more that's out there in that space, the better. And then obviously after that, which I knew would always come, was ABC. But funnily enough, given how big they are, I never really freaked out about them. I was like, well, there's plenty right. of room for all of us now. I've been through I didn't it. even know. So ABC Radio has got a kid's station. They do. It? I shouldn't be promoting my competitors, should no, I? No, you're not. You're not promoting. And this is just a chat anyway. But it's because it's just really interesting to me that, um, that A, they wouldn't have thought of that earlier and B, that you would have been challenged by it because they have so many restrictions on the ABC. So, yes, they do have a market. But on the other hand, there's so much stuff they can't do because it's the ABC. Commercially, you know, do you know what I mean? So. Yep, absolutely. Yes. So, so did, did the, did the AB, did, did, have any of them sort of really affected you though? I mean, after you've kind of got over the initial, I mean, did they stealing advertisers? Was there anything like that happening? I don't think so. No. I, I mean, Kindling. Did Moose Toys, by the way, advertise with you? Could you ever get them as an advertiser? No, I've spoken to them actually a number of times over the years. And, and because a lot of their toys are four plus, and there's obviously choking hazards that come with those sorts of things, they've always been rightly so very hesitant because my market is from zero up until about the age of five. So there's always been a bit of hesitation there, which I get. Well, I, well, I mean, I, the flip side of it is if they've been advertising all the way through till the children were four and a half, then when they sort of finish with you, they would have had most toys in their head the whole time for the last four years. But anyway, you know, not everybody thinks the same way. So, um, so yeah, so how did that bit go? Was there... It's well. It's been a learning curve. So the you know we run based off station sponsors. 
predominantly. Okay. Uh, and and yeah. I think that probably the station sponsors that I contact, you know, and that's one of the reasons that I really stood into the space of social enterprise because I thought, well, when I'm talking to the same businesses, I really need to have a good point of difference. Um, and yeah. when I talk to businesses now, they can tick off the corporate social responsibility as well as their marketing budget. Uh, and that's kind of how I really sell in sponsorships to businesses now. So we work with Pseudo Cream, Baby You, um, Love to Dream, oh, okay. Ready Steady Go yeah. Kids, a whole range of different businesses that are really heavily, obviously, in the parenting space. But when they work with us, they also work with our charity partners and that's part of the deal. So they sign with us, they sign with the charity partner and we all work together you know, as a group of three, I guess, to, to help oh, bring it to really life. That's really clever though. Mm, I, love I love it, it that you kind of insist that if they're going to come on board, then it's, it's not just you, it's you and the charity partner. Because that kind of works for everyone. Oh, it's perfect. And Pseudo Cream, for example, they came on board. Uh, we do a range of interviews with them. They have station IDs. They partnered with the Nappy Collective and then they printed their collection boxes for them and then we helped them to get them into early learning centres. So it's kind of, if you think of it really outside of the box, there's so much amazing things that you, ideas that you can come up with and it's good for business yeah. they need to be ticking that box more so I kind of think of myself as a bit of a connector now in that regard absolutely, absolutely. so, so um, in terms of pivotal moments there was the the competition coming are there any, are there any others that you can think of where you just, just had a big learning that came out of it, out of it? Yeah. The main one would be going back in, um, I think it was about 2017, 2018, I was accepted into the Monash Uni Accelerator Program, which was a three-month oh, wow. incubator. And when I, yep. when I went in, I said to them, look, I can't sell. I'm crap at selling. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And that was what I really wanted out of the three months. And I remember my mentor saying to me, I went into him all proud that I'd put together this sales overview. And he said to me, so how many businesses have you contacted in the last week? I said, 25. He goes, that's crap. Go, leave go out. You, until you're contacting 300 businesses a week, it's a law of numbers. You need to work backwards. And I kind of wow. had, I had a real moment of, ah, so that's how hard I really need to go to get Well, to it's kind outcome. of like telemarketing, yeah. isn't it? As soon as, as, soon you, as you said that to me, I used to think we used to have to get through 100 calls in four hours. Exactly. Exactly. And we, because because we, they knew it was a numbers game, game and that if you can get through 100, you'll probably find two or three sales. Exactly. And it, I don't know why wow. I didn't think of that, but that was a real light bulb moment for me. And that's kind of taught me a lot in, in most things that we do now. Like it is a numbers game and you just, you just keep going. You know, I, I'd rather someone say no very quickly to me. So, so when you're I looking can for a sponsor. Yeah, yeah, that's true. true. So, but, but if, if you're looking, looking for a sponsor, sponsor now, now, would you do, would the, you 300 do the 300 calls? calls? Depends on how, how desperate <laughs> I am. <laughs> but I do, you know, I have I have rolling sponsorships now, so I probably don't go quite so hard. But definitely, if I was if I was looking to start again or enter a new space or looking for different types of sponsors, I probably would be contacting a lot over a short period of time and narrowing it down. Interesting. Mm. Well, there'd be lots of people listening, I reckon, who would need sponsorship for various things. So that's um, very interesting to learn that it's actually, you know, such a big, um, such a, such a big numbers game, I guess. Although I guess I personally am sort of thinking there must be loads of people coming out of COVID now that are going, I don't want to advertise in the old fashioned sense. Sponsorship is the way I'm going to go. So hopefully it'll all start getting easier. I hope so. So, 
um, so how do so you how juggle, do you juggle your work, your work and your life when it is a twenty four seven business and, and something, something that obviously, that obviously is make, would make you very passionate as well? Do you have lines that you go okay after three thirty when the kids come home or four o'clock? That's it. I don't do any more work and I don't work on weekends, or does it all blur because of the nature of it? It's kind of blurred. Like I really. I do try to uh, be around when the kids are coming home. And, and now that they're getting older, I find that emotionally they need me so much more. Like when they're younger, yeah. you've just got to be there. You've got to just be keeping an eye on them and giving them cuddles and quality time. But they're just, it changes emotionally as they get older. Um, but it's kind of blurred. And because we're all working from home at the moment, it's really well, blurred. But also I've, 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 I've realised realized I forgot to say, how do you set up a radio station? I'm going to take you right back. What physically do you need? Have you set it up at home? Yep. I mean, how do you run it and who, who are the DJs? Yep. So, well, the DJs are all pre-recorded voiceover artists. So I do scripting, okay. get it recorded. Uh, it's a computer from the corner of my lounge room. And right. my the interviews that I do, which I you know do, do every now and then, and I'd never planned on doing them actually. But once obviously you get a bit of an audience, PR starts contacting you. And the first one I ever did was with Shelley Craft, and I was absolutely packing myself. And I did that in my walk-in <laughs> robe. So right, I, sorry, I'm sorry, I missed that. I was too busy laughing. laughing. What did you I say? I did that one in my walk-in robe, and now I'm back to the walk-in <laughs> robe because I'm home again. So oh my, oh god. my god, isn't that funny? So. so, so so it's a pre-recorded thing. thing. So when you, so set, when you it set it up, was it just a computer in the land room then, or did you did you ever ever have an office? We did have an office for a while. We we actually shut down the office uh, when COVID hit. I thought, right, I need to cut back on all of my unnecessary expenses. I can't oh, okay. go into the office anyway, and I'm I'm glad I did. That's probably another learning. Like I was probably spending out money that I didn't really need to. I can I can work from home, and when the kids are back at school, you know, I can comfortably work from home. And how's COVID affected? Um, your business because I can only imagine that your listener figures have rocketed, skyrocketed, have they? It's been good for listener figures. Uh, it's probably, and it, this is probably more in my own mind, I found it harder from a sponsorship perspective just because I, I know that a lot of the businesses at, at the level that I tend to work with uh, are cutting back on their budgets. Um, yeah. So I've used the time throughout COVID to focus more on our change and our strategy moving forward so then we can hit the ground running on the way out. And your new exciting whatever it is that we're not allowed to know about yet. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to hear that. Um, So what sort of hours are you working then? Well, I work pretty much from nine till four-ish when the kids finish and then I will generally work at night while I'm on the couch for an hour or two. I am a workaholic. I love working. I love what I do. So I don't really, I probably blur the lines too much because I just really enjoy it. Um, You know, I drive my husband nuts talking about it and the kids are all aware of what's going on. So it's just, it's just (laughs) kind of blended. The kids are probably really proud. What do they think of it? I mean, do they get it that you, you're running this radio station? Yeah, I think they think of it more from the social impact side. I probably talk more about, you know, the money that we've raised for SIDS and and especially given the age the kids are now, I talk more about charity work and being kind and, you know, if, you, if you're giving then you get more back because the kids are at that age where it's all selfish, they're tweens and teens. Yeah. So um, I probably talk more on that side of things to them than the actual radio station. Mm. 
Right. Okay. That sounds fair enough. Okay. So now we're down to the silly questions. So the first one is, is there a quirky fact that you would like to share with us that most people don't know about you? (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you why I I love asking this question. And it was actually Wendy Hargreaves, who is a journalist, who said to me that I should ask it. I can't even remember what it was for, but I just thought it was such a great question. And the answers I get are outrageous i mean some of them are you know some of them are i I, i'm scared of spiders and other ones are you know i won perfect match (laughs) that (laughs) tv show (laughs) um no well i what what would i say i'm a great stalker probably i'm really known for my stalking capabilities when i really want to what do you mean when i really want and i'm not i'm not out the front of people's windows at night (laughs) when i really want to work with someone or i really want to work with a business i'll sort of um Really, you don't give up. Yeah, and I'll hunt people down, you know, to find the right person, and I'll stalk them on LinkedIn and find out what they like and what they don't like. So I'm really well prepared when I finally meet someone to really, wow. um, you know, be able to work with them and, and show them that I do my research and I know what I'm talking about, and I'd <laughs> love to work with them for these reasons because I've stalked them and I know what they like or what you know, you know, all of those sorts oh, of are things. You, are you talking in terms of sponsorship or in terms of guests for the shows or everything? Uh, probably more in terms of sponsorship, even PR. Before I came across you, I used That's to stalk smart. journalists all the time. Now I don't need to because I've got your page <laughs> your own PR. Um, but I just would always stalk people that I felt that I needed to have more information on. Yeah. Do you know, I wonder whether that a telemarketing thing as well because I don't have any problem with it either and in fact when I was doing PR for p- p- companies there used to be journalists and I would ring and I'd be ringing them every day and I'd be going hi it's your friendly stalker you know, I just thought I would check to see whether you made a decision yet that kind of thing so but I I wonder whether that's they're not giving up you know knowing it's a numbers game and they can all we are if anything if you've done um, telemarketing you absolutely know that people have no problem telling you to get lost if they're, if they're not interested exactly <laughs> And please do tell us quickly so we can Absolutely. move on to the next person. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to waste all that time. All right. Now, my last two questions are just about um, apps on your phone. So they're silly questions, really. I mean, it's only because I'm obsessed with my phone myself and a lot of people aren't. So I don't know whether you are or you aren't. But if you are, what would be for business the two most useful apps on your phone? Actually, and is there is there a Little Rockers radio app? Yes, there is. Yes. There's the first one. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And I, you know, quite often when I am listening, I'll listen through the phone app because I like to make sure, like I like to pretend I'm a listener so I can make sure that it's working correctly. Um, Right. And then probably the other two would be plan for Instagram. I'm obsessed with trying to figure out Instagram, which is just really planning out your feed, you know, putting in your your future posts and planning it out. And the other one that I use all the time is Audible because I listen to audio books, business books. I've got something in my ear all the time pretty much. Right. Mm. Well, then you're just absolutely in the perfect business, aren't you? Mm. And what about for fun? Do you play on your phone at all or no time for that? I don't play on it. No, no, I don't actually. I I think there's only a very small percentage of us and note I say us because I am one of them who uh, plays with words with friends and Candy Crush, even though, you know, they're so passe and old, but there it is. Well, listen, Sarah, it has just been such a delight. I love what you're doing. I absolutely a million percent love it. Um, And I didn't realize it had that lovely um, charity kind of angle to it as well. So that makes it. So you're a very, very smart woman doing a brilliant thing that 
really is important. So thank you so much. How can people get hold of you? So there's an app, I assume, in the App Store called Little Rockers, is it? Yeah, Little Rockers Radio. And all of the links are on the website. So, you know, if they've got iHeartRadio or TuneIn Radio on their phone already, they can listen that way. They just search for Little Rockers Radio. Um, And all of our social good work, it's all up on our website at littlerockersradio.com.au. Well, thank you very much, and I cannot wait to um, find out what it is that you've got on the on the go that's going to be launched soon. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'sTheBoss.com.au. dot